Good evening. Merry Christmas. This is our final, our final Wednesday evening chapel for 2007. You made it. Just congratulate the person on, on either side of you. They made it. We have a number of things that we're going to do this evening. The first is that uh, Associated Student Government has a presentation to make, so we'll begin there. On behalf of the students and their representatives, um, we would like to recognize the cabinet. So Dr. Matson, you can come. Dr. Stelting, Dr. President Grave, anybody else? Yep, they're there. If you guys have ever spent just 15 minutes in any one of these gentlemen's offices, you have received a ton of wisdom. I encourage you to do so if you haven't already. And we just, we recognize that you come here and work every day. You travel all over the nation during your summers and come on evenings like this as well. So it seems like your life, you pretty much live here. And we acknowledge your service to us, your hearts, and in, we want to give you a $50 gift certificate um, to On the Border as a token of our appreciation. This is the fourth of our Advent services. We have been remembering the truth that Christ has come and that he's coming again. Amen? And we've used candles to help remind us of that fact. We have also encouraged each other to remember that the best way that we can celebrate those truths is to live for him. So, we have been hoping in the Lord, or living for the Lord, and hoping in the Lord, and rejoicing in the Lord. And today, we're going to light this last candle to help remind us to prepare for him. Take the worship folder that you have. We are going to read scripture and sing um, as part of our worship. Dr. Alan Deuce will bring the message. I think I'd like you to stand and let's read the scripture together. The New Testament lesson is from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Let's read it in unison. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his Son, who as to his human nature 
was a descendant of David, and who, through the spirit of holiness, was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his namesake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I want to modify that last paragraph. Um, instead of Rome, I haven't been there, it sounds nice, let's use Colorado Springs. To all in Colorado Springs who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I think you'll know this song. You may be seated. The Old Testament lesson comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. And again, I'd like to hear us read. So let's read it in unison. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. Bibles with me if you would like, and turn with me to... Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And let me say, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you first for being in class this evening. Uh, and second, for being in chapel. I'm extremely aware that we are fully engaged in the holiday season and that some of our classmates have left us a little earlier to start their celebrations. And we are happy for them, but I'm delighted that you are here this evening, and I'm glad to be here as well. I love the Christmas season. One of the things that Jan and I have done for a while now is uh, after Thanksgiving, when our Christmas season officially opens, we periodically look at each other and ask each other a question. And the question is not new with us, but it continues with us. We look at each other and we ask, has Christmas come for you yet? Has Christmas come this year for you yet? You see, what we're really, really asking is have you experienced Christ this Christmas? Have you experienced Christ this Christmas? 
When we used to live in Kansas City, I used to, uh, to shop at this kind of Walmart-ish type store. Uh, it wasn't Walmart, and it wasn't Kmart, and I can't remember the name of what it was, but sue me. Uh, it was a long time ago. Uh, sue the college. The administrators have all the money, right? That's, uh, the, uh, I feel really underappreciated right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know, I promised myself that I wasn't going to say that, and I saw Dr. Power's face, and it just slipped out. Okay, where was I? <laughs> when we used to live in Kansas City, let me get back to my text before I get fired. The, uh, I used to shop at this store regularly, and the one thing that I remember about the store is that all of the sales clerks would say this same thing in an identical way. After you had, had I remember the first time I went in there, after you had, had brought your purchases up there, stood in line, after they had, had scanned and done all the things they did, charged you, you'd paid them, everything is bagged up, and you're ready to walk out the door, you're turning and walking out the door, they're starting to look toward the next customer, and they would say, thank you call again. And it sounded just like that. It sounded so strange to me that the first time I heard it, I turned and looked back to see if the person was talking to me or if it was the computer talking to me. It was so interesting to me that I went back into the store. I'm not even making this part up. I went back into the store to see if they were actually doing that to other people every time. And they all sounded the same. Thank you. Call again. Now, I have since, and you probably have too, gone to other stores where they actually did have computerized voices out of the cash registers or other machinery that did say those kinds of things to me. But I have never been to any other store where the employees themselves, clearly paying no attention whatsoever to the person to whom they were supposed to be speaking, said in this very mechanistic tone, thank you, call again. It was really kind of weird. Sometimes... Sometimes I notice that people, especially religious people, tend to respond to God in about the same way. Here's what happens. God suddenly appears on the scene. They cry out to Him because they're facing some kind of crisis, some big difficulty in their life, whether it's medical or financial or personal or relational, whatever type of situation it is that they may be confronting in their lives. And God in His grace and mercy comes into the situation and He works dramatically in their lives. And then when everything is over and the mess is all cleaned up, they shake their hands say, thank you, please call again. Thanks, God, please call again. In Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, we have the story of the shepherds. And they provide for us a very different way of responding to the God who comes into our lives. Look at it with me in Luke chapter 2, where it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shined round about them. Sorry, I mix up my translations when I start thinking about 
what I remember from memorizing it as a child. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid, or they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those on whom His favor rests. Wow. I love to read the Bible, and, and when I read the Bible, my mind is always filled with questions. Questions, questions, questions. One of the questions that I have heard asked about this passage many times is why did God come to the shepherds first? I mean, why did God come to these shepherds first? The shepherds were not good people, right? You remember this from Introduction to New Testament? These were not really nice people. They were pagans. They were not people who regularly attended the synagogue. In fact, they usually weren't even allowed to be a part of the synagogue. And they were considered such a negative group of people that most of the time their testimony was not even allowed in, in court, in trials. Uh, they, as a class, shepherds were regarded so negatively. So why did God come to the shepherds first? Well, the answer to that question is, He didn't. God did not come to the shepherds first. The first announcement that we have recorded of God coming to tell about the coming of Jesus was to the priest, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. God came to him first, right? He came to a priest a religious leader of the day. And he came to Zechariah while Zechariah was at the holiest place on earth. He was doing the holiest duty that any priest is allowed to perform, the most sacred duty in the holy place, in the temple. And God sent an angel who stood by his own testimony, Gabriel, in the presence of God to come and to speak to him. And when Zechariah wasn't sure that it was for real, God struck him mute for the next nine months. Remember the story? God sent his messenger to the religious leaders first. So how did the religious leaders respond? These great men of faith. I mean, can you imagine here you are at the temple of Herod in Jerusalem, the center, the epicenter of all spiritual and religious activity on this planet, the center of worship of God Most High. And you have the priests and the Levites. You have all of the collected wisdom of the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and other religious groups who were gathered there, the scribes, the Le all these people were there, centered around this temple. And the angel Gabriel came, and he spoke to Zechariah right 
there. And all these religious leaders, you know they heard the story. You know the gossip went around the temple. Many of them saw the condition in which Zechariah came out. He couldn't speak. He lingered in there and he messed up the whole church service. Everything about it drew attention to what was happening. And how did they respond? Did they say, Glory to God. No. They said, hmm, I wonder what that was all about. Well, look at the time. My goodness. And they bundled up Zechariah and they sent him to his home in the hill country to recover from whatever malady he was experiencing. And they said, thanks God. Please call again. They would not allow God himself, to interrupt the routine of their lives, whether it was their family life or their community life or their business life or even their religious life. Thanks, God. Please call again. They were so busy doing religious work for God. They were so busy doing work for God that they missed it when God himself came among them. So what did God do? He came again. Only this time, instead of coming to the priests, instead of coming to the religious leaders of the day who didn't respond appropriately the first time, God came to some shepherds who were tending their flocks. Now, these were just ordinary shepherds, right? I mean, they may or may not have been tending the temple flocks. We really don't know that with any certainty. We know that they were just a bunch of guys who were out there on the hill doing their job. And God sent His angels to announce to them the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think I, maybe we, begin to get a sense that we kind of have a corner on the market for communication with God. We're pastors. We're teachers. We're religious leaders. We, dare we say, own God. God talks to us. God comes and meets with us in our places of of religious worship and our religious institutions, our churches and our Bible colleges. God is speaking there, but, but God is really not speaking anywhere else. But the reality is God is talking everywhere. And you know one of my fears? I fear that the reason that we are not hearing from God is not because God is not talking. God is talking all the time. The reason, the reason we aren't hearing from God is because we aren't listening. Do you want to experience Christ this Christmas? Listen. Listen. God is talking in this room right now. Listen. 
We need to be listening all the time, or we may miss God's voice. It's like when you're expecting an important phone call. You know what it is? If you're expecting a phone call on the landline and it's really, really important, what do you do? I mean, you make sure that no matter what's going on, you are within reach of that phone. You can get to that thing before it rings those three or four times it's going to quit. And you don't allow anyone to get on that thing and, and stay on there very long. You, you make sure those calls are quick and you keep it open because you're anticipating that this important call is coming. And if it's with your cell phone, you make sure it's charged and in your pocket and you don't talk to everybody like you normally do in class and other places instead <clears throat> did I say that out loud instead you make certain you watch you listen you set that ringtone loud because it's coming and you're anticipating you want to take that call if we are going to experience Christ this Christmas we need to listen the way the shepherds were listening. I mean, these shepherds listened to the angels, didn't they? Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And they listened to him. So they heard. God's message about Jesus. You know, I've thought about these guys on many occasions. I picture myself in that situation with an angel and then a sky full of angels. I mean, they could have run away, right? I think I might have, or just fallen down dead. I mean, they could have fallen on the ground and covered their ears and, and believed it fairly reasonably that they were deluded. They could have done any of number of things, but they chose to listen. If, we're going to live, if we are going to experience Christ this Christmas, we need to listen. You know, one of the things I've learned about God is that He speaks in some very unorthodox places and times. He interrupted a very important church service to speak to Zechariah. He interrupted a group of guys who were on break at work, apparently, out watching their sheep in order to meet with the shepherds. Now, of course, we need to pay very close attention to the basic ways that God communicates with us. Dr. Attic will tell you that God communicates with him regularly, powerfully, as he is, is involved in his journaling. And God speaks clearly through his written word to us constantly. And when we are listening and with him in prayer regularly and routinely, God will speak to us. But to experience Christ, we need to be living. Here's what I want you to hear. We need to be living with an attitude of expectancy. We need to be living in an attitude of anticipation. Jesus, Jesus may speak to me at any moment. I've got to be listening. If I'm going to experience Christ this Christmas, I need to be listening for God's voice. And then I need to take the time to focus on what it is that He has to say to me. The shepherds heard from the angels and they started talking about what the angel had said to them and what they had just experienced. 
You know, they didn't hear from God and then say, oh, man, wow, that was great, wasn't it? Now, what were we talking about before we were interrupted? If we're going to experience Christ this Christmas, we need to listen and we need to focus on what it is that God is saying. When the angel brought those shepherds a message from God, they thought about it. They talked about it. They focused their attention on the message from God. Now, of course, they had to continue watching the sheep. Sheep won't take care of themselves. Sure, the regular routine of their lives had to continue, but the focus of their interest became the message that they had received from God. God's message dominated more of their conversation than which teams would be in the Super Bowl in the Colosseum in a few weeks, or which stores had the best early Christmas sales going on. They were consumed, and they focused on the message. If we're going to experience Christ this Christmas, we need to listen for God's voice, and we need to focus on what He's speaking to us about. And then we need to respond actively. What was the difference between the way that, that, that the priests responded when Gabriel came and spoke to Zechariah and the way that the shepherds responded? The priests ignored it, right? Hmm, that's interesting. Now, what were we doing? But the shepherds, the shepherds responded. Do you want to experience Christ? for real in your life this Christmas? Do you really want our blessed Savior to engage in your life this holiday season? He wants to. You've got to listen. You've got to focus. And you've got to respond actively to what he says. Look what the shepherds did. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The first response to any message from God is always to come to Jesus. No other response is appropriate until we have come to Christ. You say to me, well, I've already been saved. Wonderful, I'm glad you have. But there are still a lot of ways where you can draw near to Christ the angels announced that a Savior had been born. Jesus, that baby, was destined to die on that cross to save us from our sins, to give us the opportunity to experience transformation in our lives, to live every day from now on forever in a real relationship with God. We've got to respond. If I'm going to experience Christ this Christmas, I need to listen, I need to focus on what He's saying, and I need to respond. I respond by coming to Jesus and remembering, you know, Christmas... I know this is news for you, but let me just tell you anyway. Hold on to your seats. Christmas is about Christ. Boy, aren't you glad you don't have to pay for that truth. Christmas is about Christ. Christmas means focusing on Jesus. Christmas means turning my attention to Jesus 
Now, please, I have spent my entire life listening to preachers rail against commercialism and all of the ways in which commercialism has harmed the practice of, of Christmas in North America and has hurt the, the message and the faith and all those kinds of things. And, and that's not what I'm about. I, I believe in commercialism. I'm an American. I, I value commercialism. It pays the bills, right? It's wonderful. You value it too, apparently, since none of you are wearing identical clothing. Uh, it's wonderful. I love everything about Christmas. I love the tinsel. I love the holly. I love the Christmas trees. I love all of those pagan symbols. They're wonderful. I love Santa Claus. I love Charlie Brown Christmas specials. I love all that stuff. I love going down through the mall and hearing Bing Crosby crooning one more time about White Christmas. It's wonderful. I love every aspect of that. I, what other time of the year will every pagan in North America be talking about and singing about the birthday of our Lord and Savior? It's incredible. I love it. I love it. It's fun. But... In the middle of all that frenetic Christmas activity, Jan and I periodically stop and look at each other and ask each other again, has Christmas come for you yet? And by that we mean, have you experienced Christ this Christmas? Have you experienced Christ this Christmas? The shepherds experienced Jesus that first Christmas. And when they did, they started talking about it to anybody who would listen to them. It's amazing. In verse 17 and 18, it talks about how once they were there, they just went out talking to everybody who would listen. Nobody taught them the four spiritual laws. Nobody guilted them into sharing their faith. No one was pressing them to do anything. They didn't know how to do it correctly. They just couldn't contain themselves. They had encountered the living Christ, and they had to talk about it. It was what was about in their lives. There was nothing else that was more important. It was them. It was Jesus can you believe it? Messiah has come and we have seen him. They had engaged him. And it was what was on their lips and out of their mouths and in their hearts. They had experienced Christ. And their lives would never be the same. Have you experienced Christ this Christmas? What happened for them? The result in their lives was an incredible joy. They rejoiced. They celebrated, it says in our text. They celebrated. They rejoiced. Of course they did. They had met with Jesus. You cannot experience Jesus and not have your life changed forever. It's incredible. It's glorious. And so, of course, they responded. Of course. When you experience Christ, hear me, when you experience Christ, it always results in joy. Can I ask you a question? How joy-filled is your relationship with Jesus this Christmas? You know the Christmas present I want for every one of us? I want every one of us 
I want each of us to experience Christ this Christmas. I wish I could give it to you right now. Look at the table. We've lighted the four outer candles. In the center, Dr. Like reminded us several weeks ago, is the Christ candle. Many of us will gather on Christmas Eve with our church families or others, and we will light the Christ candle to celebrate the reality that the baby in the manger is the King who died on the cross for us. Have you experienced Christ this Christmas? If we're going to experience Christ, remember, we've got to listen. We've got to focus on what it is that God wants to say to us. And we must respond by coming to Jesus and doing whatever it is that He asks of us. My prayer for us tonight is that all of us experience Christ this Christmas. So I would like for us to take a moment. I don't know everything about your lives, but I know this. Most of us in this room are frighteningly busy, overwhelmingly busy. May I ask you to take a moment to interrupt the pace of your living, to turn your heart, to prepare for the Christ child, to commit, to listen, to focus, to respond, to experience Christ this Christmas. Dr. Like's going to lead us in a closing song, and then I want to pray for us. As we do those, will you open your life to experience Christ this Christmas? our God, thank you that we serve a resurrected Lord who came as the Christ child for us. Thank you, God, that you have not abandoned us, but that you are here speaking our names. Oh, Lord, as we celebrate this Christmas season, our deepest desire is above all things, our first present be to experience you in our lives in a fresh and a new way. I thank you for these men and women of faith who have gathered here in your name because they have come to encounter you. I bless them with your presence and I pray that for each of us you would hear and answer. Unlock our ears, O oh God. Open our blinded eyes. Tenderize our hearts and make us receptive to all that you have for us. And for that, we will give you all praise and glory and honor and majesty forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Blessings on you. Go in peace.